Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be sharing out two of those passages today. Verse 22 says, And God placed all things under his feet. Everyone just kind of give me a stomp. Like, he placed, I love it. He placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Say, that's me. Say, that's us. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now fast forward to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Verse 19. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Say, that's us. You're also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, say together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, say that's us, are being built, not individually, but together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's us. That's us. Today, I'm talking to you about this topic, built for this. I didn't know the team was doing that song. I didn't know that lyric was in that song. And I said, I'm like, man, how coincidental. I think God's trying to do something in this place. I need you to know that you were built for this. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? No matter what we've been facing, what we're up against, help us to know, God, that our strength in you is sufficient to get through whatever we're facing, Lord. So I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that resides within us, that we would be revealed the power of God, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So I don't need to care or worry about the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks at night, for it will not come near us, your word says. We are more than conquerors for those that are in Christ Jesus. We are not victims, but we are victorious in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Come on. You may be seated. Give someone a high five as you make your way to your seat. Come on. Built for this. Built for this. We've been in a series called Built to Last. I need you to know today that the church is built to last. Now, you were built to be a part of the church. And if you were built to be a part of the church, that implies that you are also built to last in the church. The church is built not on the foundation of the pastor, nor on politicians or ethnicity or culture. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Now, as much hate as the church can get and has gotten recently over the past few years, I actually need you to know that I still love and enjoy the church. How many of y'all thankful for the church in this place? I've been a part of the church for 33 years. Because since I was born, my parents made it a priority to be in the house of God every single week. The Bible says, train your children up in the way that they should go. And then when they are old, they will not depart from it. I can tell you that I've been a part of the church a long time. My whole life. But eventually, I became old enough to make the choice to go to church by myself. 
and it was around the time that I got a driver's license. How many of y'all got your driver's license the day that you turned 16? Let me see your hands. I was so excited to be able to drive around. My parents trusted me with the car. Unbelievably, they trusted me. I can't believe there's 16-year-olds driving around today. I was, the first thing I wanted to do was go to Taco Bell. And then the second thing I wanted to do was go to youth church. And I have experience in church. I, I started making my choice to be a part of church since I was 16 years old. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be a part, not just on church on Sundays, but I'm actually going to make my, it a priority in my own life. I'm going to go to church on Wednesday nights. How many of y'all remember Wednesday night youth church? We have it here every single Wednesday crew night here at the church, meeting out Raising Canes. And then they got March Madness on March 30th. Be sure to reserve that date for all the youth. March 20th. Yeah, March 30th. March 20th. Thank you, Jazz. March 20th, I was a part of youth, and, and my experience with youth was, eh, it was, it was good, and it was bad. The first youth church I went to, I went for two weeks, and on week two, they asked me to go up uh, on stage and take off my shirt so they could put body paint on me. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm very conservative. You know, I didn't want to go up there, take off my shirt, and I'll make all the ladies stumble. So <laughs> that was my mindset. I'm like, I ain't going to do that. Well, and then I'm like, you know, I think there's other youth churches. I'm, I'm going to try some other youth churches. And I went to this one. It was called Lift. It was at what was then called uh, Glad Tidings Church, which is now good news. It was Lift. And Pastor Jamie was a youth pastor, a part of that church. And it was there that I had an encounter with God. It was there where I remember singing the old school hill songs. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending. I can't remember. Your glory. All fame. There we go. And the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord. My soul cries out. That was the first song that I lifted my hands to. That was the first song where I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now. He is in this place. That was a moment where I encountered God. I remember when. I encountered God. I remember when my life was changed in a moment just by being in the house of God. I remember prophetic words that I received from people, but also I received from God directly at church conferences, at prayer meetings, at group nights, at church on a Sunday. I remember the time I would be setting up in a West Fellowship Hall, 200 chairs for a bunch of youth students to encounter God, praying that they would encounter God the same way that I did. I remember when I encountered God. Do you remember when you encountered God? I asked you the question, when was the last time you took a moment to remember what God has done in your life? What he's done through the church. I know there's been a lot of times where the church has received a lot of hate. I know that we have received a lot of difficulty and tension and strife and bruises from the church, but it's still his body. The church still is his bride. I found my purpose in the church. I also found a lot of heartache in the church. At this point in my life, I've been to several hundred church services. I've been to dozens and dozens of church conferences. Church conferences are great. They don't replace a daily walk. Can I get an amen? You're called to have a daily walk with Christ. I love prayer meetings. I've been a part of group as long as I can remember. Something midweek. Can I tell you, it's important to be a part of church on a weekly basis, not just the gathering, but also from temple, temple courts, which is like us in this building, and house to house. That's why we have groups. 
We didn't just think of groups because it's like, hey, what do you want to do during the week? I don't know. I'm bored. Let's meet at houses and restaurants. We were at flagship comments. I don't know how long. You know what one of the hardest group seasons was? When we ate at DJ's dugout every week. You do that for half a year straight, it gets pretty tiring eating that food. I remember what it was like to be a part of church. I also remember, unfortunately, a lot of hurt that I received in church. Now, I've been a part of it just long enough to be cynical. How long have you been a part of church? It's not for you to respond, but for you to ask yourself. How long have you been a part of church? If you've been a part of it for any length of time, you are bound to get beat up. You are bound to get bruised. You know, as long as I've, I've been a part of church, I've seen the great side of church where I remember, and i also seen the dark side of church. My wife and I, we were a part of, of a ministry before we were married. We had a, a leader that was over us, going around gossiping about us, saying that we were having premarital sex to our friends about us and our relationship. Now, this was a leader that was in church, and it wasn't true. And we had to sit down and confront someone who was making a lie about us. I remember having a moment in the church as a pastor trying to work a, a couple that was an interracial couple that was married together. And they were, being, they were being chastised by another member within the church because they thought that two different skin colors being married was appalling. And I was trying to help them navigate and wrestle with the idea that someone can be unsaved, someone can be walking with God and still be sinful in the house of God. And we got to be able to learn how to love each other through our transformation. Not to just back out at the any time of resistance. I've been around the church long enough to where I remember being able to see national headlines that break my heart. Yeah, I've seen the dark side of church. I've been bruised and broken by believers in church. As a new pastor, I've been shocked by the politics of church. I've been attacked by unbiblical mindsets by people with whom I've trusted, all in an effort to make themselves appear right. I remember in Bible college being chastised by the leader of the college for not lifting my hands during worship. I remember being bruised and beaten by the church. Can you relate? And see, I'm also confused to some extent as how some Christians can go around carrying the cross and still have the ability to throw stones at believers and sisters trying to follow Christ as imperfectly as they may be. See, I've learned that I cannot judge the majority who are trying to do what is right with those who have done it wrong. Can I tell you that with, even with all of its imperfect people, Within it, the church has outlasted empires, has outlasted persecution, philosophical systems, and sabotage from within. It has transcended kingdoms and cultures from its inception at the day of Pentecost to today. The church has advanced by the power of the Holy Spirit. It has advanced to accomplish the mandate that Jesus himself set when he said, go out into all the world and make disciples. Can I tell you, the church is not suffering from atrophy, my friend, nor is it irrelevant. The church is not retreating. The church is alive. It's not a memorial or a museum exemplifying what God used to do. He still moves today and still saves today. The church is not a showroom for perfect people. It is living, breathing body of Christ. It's not a nonprofit or a philanthropic organization, although those are great. It's not an empty routine for people to be a part of every weekend. It is the body of Jesus Christ, which has been equipped with a mandate to share the news that Jesus still saves. It's a hospital for the broken, a symbol of redemption, 
a conduit of grace, a family for the lonely, and a place where captives find freedom. This is the church. Can I get an amen? It still is the church. And I've come to the realization and the conclusion that I don't want to spend my life chasing and building my dreams. I want to be a part of the one thing that Christ himself is building. I want to be a part of what he loves to make his name great, not my own. Now, if my name becomes great in the, in the process, I'll deal with the consequences that it may be. And I pray that I have the humility of Jesus to still continue to wash the disciples' feet. I pray for the grace to be able to represent him well as I seek to be a part of what he is building, to build God's church, the one that he died for, I want to live for. I need the church. You need the church. We need the church. A lot of us want to look like Jesus. You want to know how to look like Jesus? Everyone wants to look like Jesus till it means to love like Jesus. <laughs> you want to look like Jesus? <laughs> Be around a bunch of people that bother you and still love them. And I tell you, you cannot look like Jesus and not love his church. I can't be like Jesus and not be a part of his people, no matter how difficult it may be. Ask you a question, have you ever seen a building be built? Whether a house or a commercial property? They start with the foundation. and They have to dig up a lot of mud. And then they lay the footings and on top of that, they build some of the walls on the footings and the structural support and beams. And, the, and then, they, then they surround it with, like, the siding and the different types of studs on the siding. And then they, then they put the windows in. And, and the building is not desirable in its stud phase, in its mud phase. Sometimes when they're building houses, they throw all of the extra garbage in the bathtub. And if you go and look at your house before it's finished, it wouldn't be very desirable, would it? Can I tell you that God is in the process of building his house, and we are mid-process. And just because we are mid-process does not mean that the product will not be complete eventually. People are mid-process. All of us are mid-process. God is building us into something that he would desire. To judge something before it is finished is to misrepresent the builder who has a plan to complete it. Can I tell you that you are built to be a part of his church? It may be messy, but when it is presented, it is desired. In the same way, God is making us like him in order to present ours, us to himself. And no matter how messy it may be, we still need the church. Acts 2.46, every day they continue to meet together. Say every day, every day. You get better and better till one day. Can't be beat. Won't be hard. Never mind. <laughs> Every day they met together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You have the temple courts. You have house to house. I love house churches. Micro churches are good if they have authority over them. There is a level of structure and authority. They're not just nomads. Micro churches are fine to an extent as long as they have authority over them. But they, broke, they came together in the temple courts and house to house. 
That's what we're doing right now. This is like the Temple Court Gathering. We're getting together every single week. The Sabbath, you know, some people say, well, Sunday, well, Saturday. No, it, it really is a day out of the week. We gather on Sunday. It's the day that Jesus rose from the grave, so it's the day that we gather as the church. That's why the, Sunday's the first day of the week. You're not coming into church as the last day of the week. You're actually giving God your first fruits. Hello. Isn't that cool? Like you come to church because it's the first day of the week. This is the first thing you do at the start of your new week. You're giving your day over to the Lord. Daily in the temple courts and house to house. That's why we have groups. Getting together, studying the Bible, praying for one another, encouraging one another, eating together, breaking bread together, taking communion together. We do that on Sunday. You can also do that in groups. Can I tell you it's imperative that you are part of the Sunday and also the group. Since COVID happened, the average church member attends church once every six weeks. That is a total of almost about eight times a year. So that's eight days out of 365, 366 for this year. Thank you, leap years. Eight days out of the year, we are being taught the foundations of the faith. Eight days out of the year, we are bringing our kids into a place to be taught the foundations of the faith. Can I tell you, we cannot expect the power of the New Testament church if we do not hold to the principles of the New Testament church. You cannot expect the power of God in your life if you do not hold to the principles of a daily walk with Christ. I'm not just talking about with Christ, I'm also talking about with his body, with his church. I hear people say a lot that they don't need to be, uh, go to church to be saved. And frankly, they're right. Salvation is by grace through faith. Grace alone, faith alone, grace through faith, they receive salvation. And in the same way, I would say, you don't need to go home every day to be married. But you stay away long enough, and you will find yourself start to drift, start to isolate. Not only yourself, but your family will start to isolate. And then you'll question one day, how did we get so far? Well, it started with not having a priority. Can I tell you, church matters more than your kids' sports. You're setting up for a, well, you don't know, Pastor Eli. They could be a professional baseball player one day. Maybe. And I know plenty of Christians that are professional baseball players. One day out of a week is not going to hurt them. Better yet, a few hours out of the week. But an eternity separated from God because we never took the time to instill the foundations of our faith? That's worth a lot more. See, a lot of people drift away from the Lord because they are drift away from the Lord, not intentionally, but accidentally, because they never got planted in the house. What does it mean to be planted? It means that you know that there will eventually be weeds that come up around you, and they will bother you. They will bother you in the way that you think and the way that you act. Can I tell you that I'm going to bother you? <laughs> You're going to bother me. And we're going to bother each other. Turn to your neighbor say, that's you. Don't do it to your spouse. Ah. <laughs> we're going to bother each other. The church isn't a building. And you're right. It's the people, the ecclesia, the called out ones who meet together when? Daily. So you want to make a big deal about the church not being a building. It's about a community. Meet together with that community daily. And this is what it means to be a part of a community, one that you cannot remove yourself from easily. One where someone can tell you 
No. One where you're accountable. One where you're, frankly, an authority, where you're submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what it means to be a part of community. Yeah, it's not a building, but as of today, right now, this isn't Ralston High School. This is the house of God. Because together, we gather, and God sends his Holy Spirit to be his temple through us together. That's what we read in Ephesians chapter 2. And I tell you that we need each other. We can't say that we don't. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. We need each other to be like Christ. There is a body that we need to be planted in, not be nomads. The two biggest days in your life, it's been said, are the day you were born and the day you find out why. In church, as spiritual beings, I believe it is the day you are born again and also the day you find out why. As spiritual beings planted in the house of God, it's the day that you make a commitment to be at church and then the day you find out why you are being committed to the house of God. Can I tell you that this church desires to be like Jesus? And it would be a shame for us to live our whole life and never actually see that come to fruition. There are several biblical reasons as to why we are to be a part of church. And I want to present to you one that is often overlooked. Overlooked. Being part of the church means, if you're taking notes, sacrifice. We have a saying, we are contributors, not consumers. If we never understand what it means to move from a consumer to a contributor, we won't ever understand what it means to lay down our life, pick up his, so that we may find it. To move from the point of, I'm not here for what I can get, but I'm here for what I can give, being a part of the church means sacrifice. But not just the sacrifice that you're thinking of, but the sacrifice of becoming more like Jesus. I want to share a passage with you from Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. These are the words of Paul. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings. For who? For your sake. He's talking to the church at Colossia. He's saying, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Hold on, like, I understand suffering for Jesus, but like suffering for one another? And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now, there was nothing lacking in the afflictions that Jesus bore on the cross. Surely he carried our affliction. He carried our diseases. The chastisement that brought him peace, brought us peace, was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. There was nothing lacking in Christ's affliction. But there is plenty lacking in ours. Can I present to you the question that if we're called to be like Jesus... And to be his body, his body was bruised. And he still went to the cross. His body was beaten. And he still submitted to the Father. He still continued to walk out the purpose for his life. 
being a part of the church means that you're eventually going to be like Jesus. I was following this, 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 this idea that I heard many months, years, maybe even years ago, that serving Jesus means that if you serve him long enough, everything that happened to him will eventually happen to you. I'm not talking in the practical sense like you're going to be crucified, but you do have to put away your own desires for God. You do have to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I tell you that there is a tension between the head of the church, which is Jesus, and his body that we're called to embrace. Some of us have been hurt by the church, and you have since disengaged. Some of you have thought your time and season has passed, and you've done enough work for the kingdom. Some of us are maybe waiting for the right time. Can I ask you the question that sometimes the devil will tell us that we're being patient for our calling, but really we are procrastinating? And if he can get us, get us to make the mistake of procrastination, mistake it for patience, he can keep us locked out of the blessing that is on the, on the other side of our obedience. I tell you that the church costs Jesus everything. So what should that mean to me? What should that mean to you? He died for his church. He loves his church. We want to be like Jesus. We got to be able to embrace the afflictions for the sake of the church to be able to see the church continue to advance the kingdom. What does that mean? That means laying down our preferences, not because they don't matter, but because we've decided that something matters more. That means showing up when we don't want to. There is a weekly sacrifice to going to church and going to group. And I tell you, the devil will get you into a trap when you answer and respond to that desire. I don't really need to go to church today. I don't really want to go to church today. Sometimes those are the days that you really need to be there the most. And if you just took a moment, I'm doing good. What if it wasn't about you? What if it was about him? And you coming together as a corporate body of believers to lift up his name. I don't really need church today. I'm doing good. Done are the days where we come to church when our life falls apart. Done are the days when we seek Jesus because our lives are falling apart. No, we're actually building something that he can build his kingdom upon. It's not about my life when it's going good or when it's bad. I will yet praise the Lord. I'm going to continue to gather together. I'm going to continue to, to be a part of the, the house to house, the breaking of bread. Church is a priority. It's not a negotiable priority in our house. It means being honest and vulnerable even when you're taken advantage of. It means accepting the shortcomings and imperfections of other people. As we are his body, we got to be expected to be bruised like his body. Acts chapter 14, Paul went around, and uh, this is actually short. I'll share just a little bit. He went around strengthening the church, verse 22, Acts chapter 14, verse 22. It says, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This was shortly before he died. He died. Many scholars believe he died in verse 19. He was stoned to death. And the church gathered around him. They believed that they prayed for him. <laughs> and he came back to life. And then he goes around and tells the church, like, hey, we got to go through many hardships. Sometimes those hardships are beyond the four walls of the church. And I would say many times those hardships 
are within the four walls. Because nothing can wound you more than a friend, a brother, or a sister. The same way those that Jesus called friend were the very ones, the very one that betrayed him. To be like Jesus, sometimes it means to say, even though they accuse me, even though they wrong me, yet will I praise him, yet will I serve him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. And you can switch here because we're going to be reading through this. We've got a, like 10 verses we're going to be reading through here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father in compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So he's like, praise God that you comfort me so that I can comfort them. I want you to take a moment and to remember those times where you have been afflicted. Those times where you have been transgressed. If you take a moment to receive the comfort from the Holy Spirit, it enables you to comfort one another in their troubles. And when they were transgressed. To be able to receive comfort from the Holy Spirit, you now can help others receive comfort. Verse 5, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance for the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. That's paradoxical. So, do, so we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. This is what I was talking about in Acts 14. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Some of you all have been relying on yourselves to get through your tribulation in churches. How am I going to survive? How am I going to get through this? They betrayed me. God can worry about that. God can figure that stuff out. And it's hard. I understand it. I've been through it. Trust me, I've been through it. To be able to rely on God, he can comfort you in a way that you can't even comfort yourself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sense of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. What is that? That's faith. I've been through, I've been through life. I've been through it. I'm saying that as if I was you. Like, you've been through it. You've been around church long enough. You've been through it. He has delivered you. He will deliver you again. On him we set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So he has, he is, and he will continue. That's a Bible verse, my friend. That's not just some popular saying. That's a Bible verse. He has he is, and he will continue. And then we fast forward just a little bit. 
Paul talks about this conflict that happens within church. And he talks about someone that offended someone. He's like, you got to be able to forgive them. Like, don't, don't alienate them too far. And then he goes in chapter 2, verse 10. He says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. Why? Because if I'm suffering for you, if I'm forgiving, I'm also forgiving as the body. We are a part of the body of Christ. So your bitterness actually does more damage to the body than you think it does. Your resentment actually does more damage to the body than you think it does. If you forgive someone, it actually helps the body heal and forgive. Well, it's just affecting me. No, it's not. I'm just going to do my thing over here. Sin can, can affect corporately things. Like, it, it kind of works that way. It kind of doesn't, but it kind of does. Like, to be aware that your actions actually have bigger ramifications than just yourself. It has ramifications in your home, in your marriage, in your work, in the church. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, because we want to live that way, like, did I offend someone? I mean, did someone offend me? I'll forgive them. Like, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And that's what I'm here to share with you today. The devil's crafty, but he's actually not. If you follow the scripture and say, hey, whatever offense someone has against me, I'm willing to forgive. To be able to say, even if someone hurts me and they're in the wrong, I understand that they're still being transformed in the image of Christ. So I don't hold it against them. What did Jesus say? Again, we follow Jesus long enough. Eventually, that everything that will happen to him will happen to you. They put him on the cross. And what did he say about the people that put him on the cross? He said, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. What if we had that heart in church? What if I just walked up and just whacked Darren in the face? He says that would suck. <laughs> probably die did one of those slapping competitions and instead of Darren taking offense he looked at me as a brother first and he just said now I'm not talking about subjecting yourself to abuse there's wisdom beyond that we have a course called emotionally healthy spirituality that'll be able to help you navigate those types of ideas right I'm not talking about subjecting yourself to abuse but I am talking about having love Lord forgive them for they do not know what they do they slandered me, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. They've hurt me, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Lord, search my heart. Let me know if I am in the wrong. To have that heart before the Lord, there's a tension that we are called to embrace within the church. And that tension is actually what God has called all of us to, to be in in order to shape us to be more like Christ. I rub you wrong, you rub me wrong, but together we are becoming more like Christ in the body of believers. I have with me some guitar strings. This guitar string was brought to me by the amazing Gary. Come on. 
Gary's awesome. I love watching Gary worship. This string is pretty free. Like, it does what it wants. It's not tied to anything. Now, if you wanted to, you could use this string for many different purposes. You could maybe create a knot. You could maybe tie someone up with it if they put their hands in it, you know. I mean, you could maybe, you could use it as a weapon. I mean, you could maybe pull something with it. If someone was like down in a pit, you could reach it down there and pull them out. But how many of y'all know that this string was built for a purpose? It wasn't built to be isolated by itself. It was actually built to be a part of something much bigger than itself. By itself, it can only accomplish so much. But when it's placed in its purpose, its rightful place, it will see itself fulfilling what it was created to do. I have myself here a bass guitar string. Which one is this called? That's the uh, B string. This is the B string. The top one here. So I got Gary over here, and this is the beautiful thing about the church. This right here, what is this? This is called the headstock of a guitar. This right here is called the body. When you take the string and you attach it to the head, it still doesn't have what it was created to do. Sometimes these guitars, you have to attach them to the body first and then to the head. you got to swing them through to be able to connect it to the head. But when it's connected to both at the same time, not separated, it causes this thing called tension, which can create reverberations, which can create music. So Gary, give me that B string, just that B string, just by yourself here. Just, just keep playing that for me. Sound bad. Move up and down the fret. Give me some different types of B strings. Doesn't sound too bad. I mean, it sounds like something right now. But maybe if you added another string, give me another note or two to that. Give me a little bit more different, different strings attached. Doesn't sound a little bit groovy. Huh? Let's stand up to our feet because I'm starting to feel a little bit of a, I'm feeling a little bit of a groove right here. Isn't it beautiful when we start to get different types of rhythms? And our movement and the hips. You can't move your hips like that in church, can you? <laughs> Gary, give me some different types of strings. When we're all attached together, can I tell you, that's where we find our purpose. It may be uncomfortable at times. It may feel like you are living under tension. And it may feel like sometimes you are stretched as far as you can stretch. But can I tell you that God's writing a story. That God's advancing his church. And together, we are all becoming more like Jesus. Come on. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.